you want to get in on the action, we want to hear from you. Email us at faderoutemail at gmail.com with your questions, comments, picks, segment suggestions, you name it. We want to hear from you. We're on Instagram too. Slide in our DMs at Fade Route Podcast. Get at us. Welcome to the Fade Route with D and Z. Here are your hosts, D and Z. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of the Fade Route DNZ. I am Z and we had a great show for you this week. We're talking Boston Celtics basketball. We're talking New York Yankees baseball. We're talking two, not one, two no-hitters. And we're ordering up the potential landing spots for the Oakland A's. But first and foremost, I would like to apologize on behalf of myself and D for the technical difficulties that preempted our podcast on Wednesday. Wi-Fi, it is a bitch. Somebody else who's having technical difficulties right now is David Quinn, former head coach of the New York Rangers, as it's technically difficult for him to have a job right now because he was fired after a disappointing season. One where there were greater expectations and possibly unfair expectations considering the acceleration of the rebuilding process with the signing of Artemi Panarin, the number one overall pick, and ultimately the selection of Alexis Lafreniere. Maybe it was a little unfair. He has a career record of 96, 87, and 25. But all in all, it was not enough to save his job as he was phase three of the bloodletting at Madison Square Garden. John Davidson is gone. Jeff Gorton is gone. Now David Quinn is gone. And executive to toot the executive, Chris Drury, now has the opportunity to put his stamp on this organization. There are plenty of big name coaches available and we'll see where he goes. Patrick Waugh is available. Gerard Gallant is available. John Tortorella, old friend of the New York Rangers, is also available. So we'll see who gets an interview among those guys. And a little bit of bad news as well in Queens. Jacob deGrom, all-world pitcher, ace, multiple-time Cy Young Award winner. He's out with a right lat tightness. He originally felt that in his bullpen session, scratched from the Tuesday start, made his start on Saturday, and ultimately felt it again after cruising through four innings. And as a Met fan, initial first reaction, first blush is to light your hair on fire. But this is a precautionary measure. And frankly, you have to agree with manager Luis Rojas to err on the side of caution and place him on the IL. It doesn't look like it's going to be long, 
And the Mets are cruising right now. They've won seven in a row. So you take your time, Jacob. You take your time. And here he is. I've known this guy since our days on Carousel Shoes flight crew through and through the last QB in St. John's history. What's up, D? How's it going, man? Hey, uh, it's always uh, tough to see your ace get hurt, especially one that's sporting a 3-2 and two record and a .680 ERA. But overall, the Mets starting rotation in general is sporting a really good ERA. I think it's just over one or just under two. Um, you do have concerns, but hey, the Mets are 18 and 13. They got a plus four differential in runs, which is a little shaky, but they're they're really taking care of business at home. They're 11-4 at home. And it's just the dregs of, I guess, the NL East. I mean, they – the, you know they're they're staying ahead of everybody. They're they're winning enough games to stay in the run. So I don't think it's too much of a concern. And they're doing all this with Lindor pr- pretty much not producing. That's true. Um, of late, he has been picking it up a little bit. And I did misspeak. It was Sunday, not Saturday, or not Saturday. So that's my bad on that. But Degrom um, Degrom is only one of the bigger issues since you do have. Carrasco and Syndergaard and Lugo and Davis and Nimmo for all of those players to be missing from this roster and to not only be over 500, but have a positive run differential. It speaks a lot to this team right now. And it looks like you hate to hear people losing their jobs, but it sounds to me like Chili Davis and Tom Slater, them getting the ax was definitely something that spurred them on because they've won seven in a row since then. And Lindor's been hitting too. Yeah. I mean, whenever people lose their jobs, it kind of spikes. It sparks, um, it sparks a fire within the team. Uh, You never want to see somebody do that, even if you don't agree with their practices. So uh, it's definitely got them moving in the right direction. I think they have a series of coming with the Braves soon and the Braves haven't really started off the season well, but it's a division rival and uh, the Braves will have a chance to get back into the race. So we're going to find out a lot about the Mets in the next couple of weeks. Uh, it's a long season, uh, but you, you're definitely not going anywhere without the Grom. No, absolutely not. There's only one place you're going, and that's nowhere fast. But speaking of nowhere fast, what are your thoughts on the Rangers and ultimately cutting David Quinn loose? And of the guys that I listed, who would be the best fit or and, you know, don't hold yourself to that list if you have somebody better. Yeah, uh, I'm not, uh, I think they need to get tougher. Uh, I, I wasn't a big fan of this group and I wasn't really a big fan of this coach. Uh, I saw them get bossed, you know, kind of pushed around by the Capitals a lot. And uh, I, I, it's not the brand of hockey that I'm used to seeing the Rangers playing. You need a more confrontational coach, someone who gets in their faces, Torts is not coming back, even though that'd probably be the guy I'd love to see come back because he just knows how to coach hockey. I mean, he did a tremendous job in Columbus. Uh, I think he even helped his team as an eight seed beat a one seed one year. And he he just knows hockey. Um, you know, we talked in in the, the meeting before going on the air. I think Patrick Waugh could be a potential guy. Uh, Drew, Drewy needs really to uh, – get the right fit 
you know, get the culture of New York, get the culture of the Blue Bloods. Like that, that's, I, I believe they, they hired Mike Greer as an advisor for a hockey operations. That's a good start. Uh, I think he's going to replace Brian Leach. Uh, I think I, I definitely got to get tougher. I agree. They definitely got pushed around. And the Tom Wilson incident really just kind of was the straw that broke the camel's back and particularly the reaction to it, penning and penning a letter to the league, basically questioning George Peros's objectivity and calling for George Peros's job. Like clearly based on that, based on, on that situation, Aaron Rodgers would fit in great as an executive on the New York Rangers. So it's one of those things that they definitely need to get tougher. I, I like Gerald Gallant too. I mean, he took the Vegas Golden Knights to the Stanley Cup Finals in their inaugural season, and he helped turn around the Florida Panthers too. So either one of those that guys was a loaded team. Time. That was a loaded team in Vegas, though, man. That was a loaded team. He's not going to get a loaded team in Madison Square Garden. I mean, they're going to really have to, you know, uh, retool here. I mean, Panarin's good, and the Vanajet's all right, but they really got to get they got to get bigger guys. They got to get stronger, tougher. I mean, we walk into Madison Square Garden, you got to be kind of worried about how your night's going to go. And I feel like last season, they kind of just cakewalked it. And then, granted, you had COVID and stuff like that, but that's not going to be an excuse moving forward. And it doesn't seem like uh, Dolan wants to hear anything about that either. <clears throat> no, it doesn't sound – I mean, as somebody who survived COVID, I, I, don't, think Do, I don't think Dolan really uh, gives a crap. So it's. I feel it's, like everybody. I feel like heads really started to roll after that Islanders. If they lost the Islanders towards the end of yeah. the season, it really kind of, you know, it was like a no nonsense thing. Especially the Knicks are winning. He wants to see the Rangers win, and uh, he's gonna, he's gonna do everything he can. I was, I was actually surprised to see Chris Drury is like so such a prominent. Uh, um, manager management you know part yeah. of management i mean he he wasn't the, he wasn't really that great of a player i know he's a captain but i mean when i think of the legacy of the rangers i really didn't see this guy sticking around and becoming the general manager and really being responsible for getting this team back to the glory days i don't understand it either uh, he was a thoroughly mediocre ranger he was better as a member of the avalanche i believe it was a buffalo saber he had a he had more he had more cachet other places but you get in where you fit in i guess and good for chris jury he's risen up in the ranks and he's not it's not like a steve nash situation or steve no, no. Situation right, where, right you know True. he they actually he actually has significant experience and kudos you know kudos to dolan for making the move if he felt this was the move they definitely need to get tougher, and hopefully Drury has his fingers on the pulse of what's going on right now. It's time for the fade-in, where we give a nod to the trending sports stories of the week. Speaking of a yeah. team with fingers on the pulse, they're searching for their pulse, and that is the Boston Celtics. They are at 35 and 35 right now. They are firmly entrenched in that play in tournament. Leading shooter Jalen Brown uh, had surgery on his wrist and he is now out for three months. So, you know, he's packing it in. He's done for the season. 
But have the Celtics been done for a while now? Yeah, I, I feel like they really were done months ago. I really the, the season really changed for them when they weren't able to acquire Kyle Lowry. Um, I'm not sure what the stipulations for the trade were, but I think they really dropped the ball. They they dropped the chance to to be uh, a real problem for teams as we head into the playoffs. Uh, Heaven Fournier has been a disaster, in my opinion, so far. Kemba Walker is not Kyrie Irving, and they're missing that timely shooting from uh, Brandon Hayward. Uh, I would not be surprised if Brad Stevens loses his job over this. It's, it also makes me see that you know maybe that's why Hayward left town, because he saw that Brad Stevens wasn't going to be really around for much longer. Uh, so... I see them. I see them getting either you know beaten in the in the play-in game or clapped in the first round. You can by say it. Like... You can say it. Chase Claypool <laughs> has made this mainstream. They get asses clapped. <laughs> they get asses clapped by the 76ers and the Nets. But uh, it's a shame because uh, I really like Jason Tatum. I think he's one of the best players in the NBA. I, I, you know, don't take this the wrong way, but I think he has the skill set to be the next Kobe Bryant. I'm not saying he is the next Kobe Bryant, but I, I've, I've seen the guy play and he has the talent. I don't know if he doesn't have the drive or maybe he doesn't have the right people around him, but he definitely has the skill set to be that guy. Uh, losing Jalen Brown, who's scoring 25 points, six rebounds and three assists a game, man, that's tough. You have to look at the stru- like the structure of the roster. It's definitely you mentioned Kemba Walker. He's not Kyrie Irving, and that was supposed to be the selling point. That was supposed to be the good thing that he's right. not Kyrie Irving. <laughs> um, he has underperformed. Jalen Brown, tw- you're at, like you said, averaging twenty five six and three and a half per game. Uh, he's leading the team in field goal percentage, so he's shooting forty eight percent. So he definitely was a cog, a key cog on this offense where you had Tatum and Brown and Walker went healthy and Fournier they just got. Uh, Marcus Smart was a, is a key contributor on this team. After that, who, Taco Fall? Like, this, this roster construction is not great. I feel that the other, the rich were getting richer. Milwaukee, Philly, Brooklyn, and the Celtics just got lapped. Like they were the, supposed to be the team on the come. And they just they just got lapped by the other teams around them. And I think that falls on Danny Ainge. And for them to be as mediocre as they are and to underachieve as they have, Brad Stevens definitely has to to uh, be called into account here and you know take some ownership for this. I mean, you can't get more middle of the road than this team. They're 16th in the league in scoring. They're 15th in the league in points allowed. They're 17th in the league in rebounds per game. The only thing they're exceptionally bad at is assists, which falls on Kemba Walker. They're 24th in the league in assists per game. Granted, Kemba Walker's out. You have Williams out. Tristan Thompson's out. I get that. But at some point, you got to rally the troops, and that falls on your best player. So that falls on Tatum. Um, you know, it's not Kemba Walker. Tatum is your best player, and it falls on the head coach, Brad Stevens. Yeah, I mean, let's not forget this team had, uh, well, 
the Boston Celtics three years ago had a 2-0 uh, advantage in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Cavaliers and, and basically then shit the bed and wound up losing four games to three. So in my opinion, since 2018, they've pretty much been taking steps backward. Um, so I, I, I don't. I don't think there's much time left for him on his clock, but um, you know, in in, in a more positive story, uh, we saw a record get broken. Uh, Russell Westbrook passes Oscar Robertson for the most career triple doubles. That's something else. Uh, big deal, little deal, no deal. To me, it's no deal right now. This season, he's averaging a triple double, so that's great. Good for him. Um, ultimately it's a team sport, you know, what have you won? What have you done? And Russell Westbrook hasn't done much with the talent surrounded him in Oklahoma city underachieved in Houston underachieved in Washington. Granted, you weren't expecting much when you got traded to Washington, the team is underachieved. So maybe this is just Russell Westbrook's fate. He's going to be the best player on a bad team for the rest of his career. And you know what? There's no shame in that because there is one guy that immediately came to mind, the best player on a bad team, repeatedly, Tracy McGrady. Tracy McGrady was the best player on a bunch of dog-ass T-Mac. T-Mac. Shout out to T-Mac. Finally making it to the second round with the San Antonio Spurs. Nice job, man. I think he won the the championship that year with the Spurs, actually. I think he actually won the championship that year. Uh, Yeah, he might have, but... That's the only way he was able to sneak <laughs> it. He tried to do it on his own. He tried, and he was like, or those Orlando teams were just dog teams. No, but it's crazy. At one point, him and Vince Carter on the Raptors. My God. And then and then he was with the Rockets, and he, and he had Yao Ming all those years, and he never did anything. Exactly. That's my point exactly. That's Russell Westbrook. He, he has talent around him. He had Durant. He had Harden. He had Harden twice, actually. He has Bradley Beal. Like, granted, Bradley Beal is not on the same level as Durant and Harden, but he's a very good player. And it's just not there. It, you know, and if Russell Westbrook wants to hang his hat on individual statistics, he's more than welcome to. Because at the end of the day, most sports are individual sports masquerading as team accomplishments. Well, I mean, I, uh, I do think he's a, a stat monster. Um, but I do think it's a big deal. Uh, he's a point guard. Uh, it's really, it's really remarkable that he's getting it on the rebounding end. Uh, I don't, I don't think he's as good as Oscar Robertson. I mean, but I do think he's earned the respect to be mentioned in the same breath as him. It is a different era. It's a different game today than it was all those years ago because back then it was like, okay, let the big guy get the ball, guards run the, run the lanes and things like that. And now it's, you know, anybody can really bring up the ball. Just yeah, anybody can get the rebound. Um, Robertson was also a much better shooter. Westbrook's aggressive style can be marveled at, but his shooting is, is well below average. And the other thing that's I think can be said about this, and maybe we could even break off on a tangent on that, is that – He's also doing this during an era where people, there's load management. I mean, he's not playing every day. Uh, so, you know, what do you, what do you think of that? What do you think of the NBA and the load management? Uh, how do you think that's affecting the product? Well, with load management, you're definitely 
not starting your best lineup every night. So that's definitely going to impact the statistics of the game. So depending on your night in, night out scenario, you Russell Westbrook may not be facing the best a team has to offer, and he's able to feast on that. And you know what? That's okay. That's just the, the nature of the beast right now. The John Stocktons and the Michael Jordans and that generation, they're not coming back. This is the way of, this is the way the NBA is working now. So you kind of have to to do you kind of have to judge it and take it with a grain of salt. And it is more impressive what he's been able to do, considering the fact that he's not playing all the time, like Oscar Robertson would or Kobe Bryant would or Michael Jordan would. Yeah, that's statistically that is impressive. But to me, you know, call me crazy. I still believe winning matters more. But it is impressive that he's able to do what he's been able to do playing fewer games. Yeah, I mean, winning winning definitely matters. And I think it, they'll never do this. But this year, because of everything going on, but you make the regular season game important. Uh, the only thing that matters is the where almost every team gets in and now what up until the ninth seed has even a chance to get into a play-in uh mm-hmm. not incentivizing playing hard toward during the regular season and i just don't as a fan and listen i, I love basketball and i watch it uh, i watch college more than I professional basketball i i'm paying for a ticket and going to a game because I just don't know what I was, what I'm going to get. I remember a few years ago, I paid X amount of dollars and I drove to Cleveland to watch the Cleveland Cavaliers play the Golden State Warriors. It was actually a rematch of the finals. So you had, you had Irving, you had Love, you had LeBron, you had Durant, you had Steph Curry. Now, if, if halfway through my six hour drive, I found out that five of those guys aren't playing in the game because they're, this is this is a part of a back to back or because it's load management i mean I, that would really decrease my my want or desire to go into the game you're pulling over and putting those tickets on stubhub aren't you yeah yeah hot seats <laughs> hot seats <laughs> yeah, i agree it's Back in the day, I remember Mark Cuban would always say, well, I'm not selling the individual game. I'm selling an experience. I really agreed with because I'm not looking for an experience. I'm looking to see the best basketball players play, the best basketball players representing New York playing, the best basketball players representing another team, or so on and so forth. If I'm going to be in – Golden State, if I'm going to be in San Francisco for just one night or two nights and this is the game I'm going to go to and I don't get to see Steph Curry, the likelihood of me ever seeing Steph Curry again is very, very limited just because of where I live in the world and because of how much uh, time I have to devote to trying to go to a basketball game and the means of actually going to a basketball game. You're absolutely right about that. It's definitely one of those things that the NBA NBA has an issue – that they're not addressing because Adam Silver likes to buddy up to the players and likes to, yeah. you know, be their friend. It's like, no, guys, you need to understand. People are coming to see you. Right. They are coming to see you. You're, this is a star-driven league. You do not wear helmets. They're right. coming to see you. So 
get out there and give the best performance you can give and take it from there because you are the ticket. You right, but you, you you can incentivize that by making the regular season games mean more, right? And maybe it maybe you go to a point system like hockey has, and maybe you actually give more points to teams that score more points, right? That could be something you can do. Because I think about a situation like let's say let's say tonight the Knicks are playing the Rockets, right? Not a lot of people want to go see the Rockets, but I might be able to get my son you know, an extra ticket and we might be able to get to go together. But now when I go to that game, Julius Randle's not playing, Derek Rose not playing because they're playing the Rockets. Now, you know, what, what does that do for your product? Like there's, there's no incentive for me to go to this game. If I can't, if I'm going to this game number 61 or 65 and the best players aren't playing, well, why am I going to, if you, if you don't think the regular season is important, why am I going to think the regular season is important? Agreed. And then, you know, it's getting to the point where even the first round of the playoffs isn't important because, you know, you're weeding out all the mediocre teams. Right, right. So, I mean, they, they definitely have a problem on their hands. But, you know, one team that seemed to have a problem on their hands, but they no longer have that problem is the New York Yankees. They seem to have righted their ship. They're winning games. They're, I believe they're moving up in the standings. They were bet bottom. They were in last place. They've moved up to third. So, what has been the key to the Yankees' success? First and foremost, it is that they found, at least for a little while, they found some pitching behind Garrett Cole. You've had some good starts from Corey Kluber. You had one from Jamison Tyone, who won his first game in two years. So congratulations to, to J-Mo. Uh, even Jordan Montgomery pitched a solid game. So you're getting you're getting length from your starters, and that definitely helps because you're not taxing your bullpen as much. And on top of that, Stanton started hitting. Judge picked it up a little bit. They finally took Gary Sanchez out of the lineup. Right, that definitely matters. They're now eighth in the league in on-base percentage. They're, they're on getting on base. They're 317 on-base percentage. So that's respectable. So it's one of those things that it's a culmination of, of a bunch of things finally clicking at the right time. But right now you have to be a little bit concerned if you're the Yankees because Stanton is out, at least tonight. He has a tight quad. He's He might go on his uh, annual IL stint. And then joining him might be Aaron Hicks, who tore a sheath, a tendon sheath in his wrist. <laughs> that guy is robbing the Yankees. He's robbing the Yankees. I, I didn't even know you had tendon sheaths in your wrist, but apparently he is, you know, he's milking this. And I'm not saying, and I don't want to say he's faking it or he's jaking it or anything like that, but he definitely, he definitely, he needs load management. You want to talk about load management? Aaron Hicks is the poster boy for a load management in Major League Baseball. And then you have an idiot, Clint Frazier, the other night. They're shorthanded because Glaber Torres has COVID and a bunch again. of, uh, again. And a, a bunch of the uh, the bunch of the coaching staff and uh, non-player personnel have COVID, and then Clint Frazier, your team is already taxed. The schmuck gets thrown out of the game, like so. Even if they're playing, they're starting to play with their heads up their ass again. Let me talk about Glaber Torres for a second. How weak is your immune system where you can you get COVID, right? You get the vaccine, but then you get COVID again. It's like, dude, drink some orange juice. Drink some orange juice. Uh, but to, to go back to, uh, you know, uh, I think 
it was a, it was a, you know, it, it, it's really Stanton, I believe. I know you are attributing it to the pitching, but uh, the rival of Giancarlo Stanton has really changed it uh, since since he's batting like. I don't know, 292 with an OPS of 914. He's seeing more pitches. He's hitting more pitches. He's using the whole field. And we, we say this all now as he, he prepares to go on IL. We don't know if he's going to go on IL, but he's he's got a sore quad, which is why he's not playing today. And it gets chalked up to poor competition, right? The last mm-hmm. couple of games they've been playing, uh, they've been playing the Braves, they played the, the Nationals. They played the Orioles. They played the Tigers. Even the Astros, they just played. And the Astros really haven't played that good. All those teams are really below 500 or around 500. So it, it, you could chalk it up to the competition as well. You definitely could, but you definitely you're, – you're on – They're fourth in the league. They're fourth in the league in ERA at 3.22. So that's pretty good. Your whip, they're number one. They're allowing a little over a hit per inning. Quality starts, it's it's not a great statistic, but they are sixth in the league in quality starts, so they are definitely getting more length now. And batting average against, they're third. Now, granted, a lot of that has to do with the fact that Garrett Cole's a fucking monster, but the other guys have to be picking it up behind him because it can't just be Garrett Cole's statistics that are, that are driving this forward. So... It, it's a little from column A, a little from column B. They're they're playing the Orioles again tonight, so they're you know, they're not being tested again. No, so no are, testing. Are, yeah, no. We're going to see what they are eventually, but right now you kind of just have to, you just kind of accept it for what it is and see what happens when you start playing better teams. I'm getting hungry over here. Should have cooked up some dinner. And if you're looking for a new cooking show to binge, check out As You Eat It on YouTube, hosted by me, Chef Z. I invite you into my home and show you what and how I cook when I'm off the clock as a chef instructor. You're going to learn fun recipes and creative methods to empower and inspire you in the kitchen and take it to the next level. Cook how you want to cook. Eat how you want to eat. Eat as you eat it. That's As You Eat It, available only on YouTube. A-Z, you eat it. Check it out, and let's get cooking. Yeah, well, what's surprising is that they haven't had a no-hitter yet. Uh, that seems to be contagious. Uh, we had another no-hitter uh, a couple of days ago for Wade Miley. Uh, so how many more no-hitters are we going to see this year? <laughs> That's a fantastic question, because if you count uh, Mad Bums outing i know of course we are we're we're counting it we're counting it because we're men we are men so there are five no hitters already because we you didn't even mention i'm a grown man i'm 37 years old (laughs) that's right that's right we are grown ass men and we can count to five rob manfred there are five no hitters as of right now so wade miley no hit the indians i think it's the second time the indians have been no hit this year so that's they're doing great (laughs) but but listen the the, it was the second time they're no hit but they're still in second place and they're behind the white Sox, who have a plus 62 differential so that's not bad (laughs) no it's not bad but how trash is the rest of that division Uh, minnesota minnesota Minnesota, we're looking silly it's what they do if they're 
we're looking but, uh, silly for that Minnesota pick, man, because they're they're in left. They're behind the Detroit Tigers right now. I don't. I don't know. I, this might get. This might not end well for Mister Baldelli. But uh, the Orioles also knocked off the Mariners. You know, John Means complete game, twelve strikeouts. Who knew he had it in him? Good for him. Uh, as as far as how many we're going to see the rest of the year, I think we're good for maybe two more as we're starting to round into form here. It's the middle of May. Offenses are going to start to kind of hit their groove and kind of figure out what pitchers have. And I, I think two more. This five and six weeks is – that's way too much. That's like that, – that's Rob Manfred calling Theo Epstein saying, can we move the mound back now? What do you think? Yeah, I disagree with you. I actually think there's going to be five more. And here's why. There's I five mean, more? Listen to me, listen to me. Last night, Dan Plesak brought a, brought a no-hitter all the way into the late innings. The same night that Wade Miley pitched his no-hitter, uh, Sean, uh, what's, um, what's his name? Uh, Mancia, he brought a no-hitter. Okay. He brought, yeah, he got it. He, yeah. Yeah, he got it all the way into the late innings too. He gave up a one. He gave up a hit in the eighth inning. No hitters are seem to be contagious at this point. Uh, Weed Miley chalked his no hitter up to the Incredible Hulk tattoo that his son gave him before the game, which is really nice. But I mean, over the years, we've seen moderate pitchers have no hitters, and it's just going to be more frequent as teams swing for the fences and infielders are allowed to shift. Uh, this was the second time uh, Cleveland was no hit, like you said. Uh, but Wade Miley's an average baseball player. He's the 89 and 87 record with a 4.18 ERA. And I, I liked him when he was with Boston that one year. That seems to stick out to me. I remember he was like one of their one. I think he was like their third or fourth guy in their rotation, but I think there's going to be five more. What's, what's to stop it? Well, I don't know, to be honest with you, like there's really, there's no indication that the, uh, as of right now, the offense is catching up with the pitching. But you figure as the year goes on, you're going to get better at bats. You're going to get you, – you just figure that they're just so far ahead now, there's got to be some regression to the mean. But I don't know. I, I think five – to me, five is a little high, but there's definitely going to be more. Like, I, think the, I think – yeah, what happens is the pitchers get into a groove. And that's that's what that's what it's all about. It's that you have these pitchers that by the third or fourth inning they haven't allowed a hit, and now they're in their groove spot. So they're good to go. They're good to go for the rest of the game. Where the batters are still doing the same thing they were doing the previous three innings, right? There's no adjustments being made. There's no like, oh, well, I've grounded out and I've struck out. Let me try to get on base here. Let me go the other way. There's none of that happening. Oh, you know what? They're shifting. Let me bunt. Like, just let me get right. something going. There's none of that going on. So you have a pitcher that's in his in his groove, feeling his stuff. He's getting outs, and he's going to cruise. And then you have the batters that are like, well, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm you – know, I'm just going to keep doing my thing. And they're telling me that this is going to work out. And that's that's the recipe for – the no-hitters, that's the recipes for the perfect game. Because then by the time you get to the sixth or the seventh inning and you're starting to panic, it's too late. There's nothing you could do at this time. The guy's at like 80 pitches or 70 pitches, and now he's 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 got it going on. There's nothing rattling him. 
But how much of that is also coupled with the fact uh, that we have the unwritten rules that, oh, you can't bunt during a no hitter, you know, things like that. So, I mean, I don't I don't know. I mean, it's possible, but there's also the mentality that a bunt is an out. Right. They have that. A lot of teams have that mentality. I think a lot of players can't bunt. (laughs) I don't think they can. Anthony Rizzo laid down a beautiful bunt a couple of days ago. It was amazing. I don't. I don't think. I don't think all players can bunt, and I don't think a lot of people. I don't really. I don't know how much people really care about being no hit either. I haven't really looked at the interviews from them speaking to the opposing teams, but a no hitter is not a perfect game. So, that's the other thing. That there's a difference, right? If you were a perfect yeah. game, I think that carries a lot more shame than a no hitter does. It does, but at the same time, like a no hitter is just as bad. But it depends on how you lose the perfect game. Because if it's because you earned a walk, right, or you were hit by a pitch, or you know you caused an error because you were hustling and the first baseman bobbled the ball while he was trying to, you know, field it. If you were, tr- if you earn it then I think it's a little bit different than, you know, a drop third strike. What? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's still, at the end of the day, it's still just an L in the column. There's no <laughs> added, there's no, there's no added, you know, there's nobody has a clause in their contract. Like, oh, if we get no hit, you lose 10 grand. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know how much, not really a good, like imagine you're on a team and you're not a good hitter. Like you're a 175 or a 202 or a 212 hitter, and you're basically playing because of your fielding prowess. Are you really that defeated at the end of the day because you got no hit? That's the problem, though. You just you know you're talking you're rattling off Joey Gallo's batting average. Like Joey Gallo is <laughs> considered a star, right? Like if Joey if Joey get like if Joey what we're talking yeah. about, yeah, like if Joey Gallo's being is going to get hit his bonus. If he gets the 36 home runs. So if he's in a game and he's just trying to jack him out and he goes 0 for 4 with three strikeouts and they get no hit, is he heartbroken? Mm, I don't know. That I don't know. That I don't know. I don't know how people feel about it. I mean, I took it personally when I played. But, I mean, if you're the Cleveland Indians, you got hit no hit twice and and Tito Francona is your coach. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what's happening in that clubhouse. How much of this is a generational thing? How much of it is guys care more about their personal statistics than they do about overall success? Like how much, I mean, cause they, you don't really see guys like a Derek Jeter, like, you know, Oh, we either win the world series or it's a failure kind of thing. There's, there's no black and white mentality. It's a lot more of, I'm going to get mine cause I got, I'm playing for a contract and I'm good with that. I, I mean, uh, it's a, you know, it's a lot of Roger Dorns out there. <laughs> uh, going on to the NFL, uh, they released their schedule on Wednesday. Uh, a lot of excitement in the air for the upcoming season. Uh, what are the, some of the games you're looking forward to? I mean, I have a lot. So I know there's one that you're definitely excited for that we're both very excited for. And I'm going to let <laughs> break that one down but a lot of jets and a lot of jaguars on my list believe it or not <laughs> like, starting with week one 
Jets, Panthers, Sam Darnold revenge game against the team that didn't do all they could to really protect him and help him grow as a quarterback. Week four, Bengals and Jags, last year's number one pick against this year's number one pick. Bills and Chiefs, week five, a rematch of the AFC title game. Your Christmas game, Browns and Packers, especially if Aaron Rodgers is there, the Packers will still be good. That's going to be something. Lions and Rams, Goff and Stafford, their first meeting since the trade. Even week 13, Dolphins-Giants, that game could have huge playoff implications because both teams are very good. You're looking at Titans and Rams. Derrick Henry versus Aaron Donald. Hello. I'm stoked for that. And then look at week 16 and week 17. Jags-Jets. Lawrence against Wilson. And then week 17, Jags-Patriots. Come on. That's going to be crazy. But what say you? Who else? What's getting What's getting your blood boiling? What's getting you amped up? Uh, I mean... <laughs> Uh, I I like I do like the opener. I think it's a great idea that they have the Bucks uh, hosting Dallas. That's going to be huge. Uh, they could easily put that game later on in the year, uh, but it's nice that they, that's how they're opening up the season. Uh, you're going to see Dak and see how his recovery went, a retooled Dallas defense, and uh, and Zeke going up against uh, eleven starters that are returning from the Super Bowl champion Bucks defense. Um, you know, you're going to get to see Tom Brady go to Foxborough in week four, Sunday night game. Uh, probably going to break the passing re- passing yards record in that game. Uh, the New England Patriots are the only team he has yet to defeat in the NFL. So he'll 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 hopefully be able to add that to his his uh, his satchel. Um <laughs> It's crazy that he's 119 and 19 at Gillette Stadium. That is a ridiculous number in the last 20 so, years. That's crazy. That's ridiculous. I, I can't believe that's real. That's insane. Oh, my God. It's uh, one year, basically. It's, it's exactly one a year. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, and then I kind of agree with you. I do want to see Darnold get revenge against the Jets. Um I, one of the things that actually, one of the things that surprised me is they they brought back the London games. I, I just, I mean, I just think it's too soon. Like, am I the only person that feels this way? You got the Jets versus the Falcons, and then the Dolphins versus the Jags. I mean, do we not learn anything from what just happened? Maybe just wait another year or two. And it's not because I'm a hater on the London games. It's just like, are you really taking the temperature of the room on this? And uh, especially with everything going on with the the Premier League right now is. Is that I, I, I the issue is with this with this situation is I don't think people realize how many Americans go to that London game. Like a lot of people from America fly to London for these games. I don't know if you're going to have that that number this time. And maybe maybe that plays into why they did it. They want to try to get more people from London to go to the game. I guess, but you're you're also sending the the Jaguars and the Dolphins and the Falcons and the Jets. I mean, you're out of the four that you're sending, only one team is actually good. So it's one of those things that, like, I don't know. I am vehemently against the London games. I I think it's about time that 
you know, at least take another year off until we figure out what the hell's going on as far as safety protocols. And I, I get that the NFL is trying to get things in back to normal as possible, but you're still not there yet, man. But, uh, and then do you, with these teams, I I think I figured it out. You have three quarterbacks who aren't going to bitch and one's Matt Ryan who's barely hanging on. (laughs) But do you see an issue with having a 17 game schedule? Do you think load management will come into play? I think there's definitely going to be a a second bye week after this year. That's definitely going to be collectively bargained in. If not, Demora Smith is not doing his job, but, um, teams may, I think with the one extra week and one fewer preseason game, I think they're definitely going to ease off a little bit, particularly coming in or coming out of the bye week. I, I would say probably the week before their, the team's bye, they might rest a couple of guys at least, depending, I on, think, depending on the yeah. team, depending on the opponent. I think you're going to have a lot. I think you're going to have issues. Uh, you're right. I think next year or the year after, they're going to have to renegotiate a second buy. Because if you think it's like a team that has a week four, week five buy, man, that means they got to go 12, 13 straight games after that, man. That's a lot. That's taxing. That's taxing on a team. And what do you think this is going to do for the records? Like single season records. Do you put an asterisk near these? Do you put an asterisk near the old ones? Like football is not like baseball. Like baseball is very historical. You know, there's 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 a there's an armchair book for all the records in baseball. Football, there are records, but I just wonder, like the two thousand yard seasons, is that a yeah. big deal anymore? If everybody gets an extra game? Well, I think it'll be taken with a grain of salt. And in, in the beginning, they'll probably put an asterisk, like the single season home run record had initially had an asterisk, and eventually it became just one record. So, I mean, like you said, I mean, and the NFL isn't as, I mean, it's not as numbers driven right. as, like, as baseball. So, like, I think ultimately that'll iron itself out. But uh, what's most important, I think, is getting that second bye week in just for the player's safety, especially if they're traveling to and from London. Um, my concern is that two bye weeks means double the London games. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't I don't think this was thought out very well. And uh, we'll see where it goes. Uh, one thing that I also don't think was thought out very well is this week, Tim Tebow signed as a tight end with the Jaguars. Urban Meyer bringing back his old quarterback to play tight end. How did a few years in the baseball diamond lead him into a tight end position with the Jacksonville Jaguars? Ultimately, Tim Tebow has only been told no by a very small group of people. And ultimately, that's what has led to this moment. Belichick told him, no, you're not good enough to be on this team. You should convert to tight end. What changed in the past 10 years? Oh, the fact that he couldn't get a job in the league. Probably most likely. He was a mediocre outfielder, and he couldn't hit for shit. Uh, And, you know, it's very interesting to me that they never tried pitching. That he never, they never once brought it up. Hey, Tim, you used to have a really good arm. (laughs) Maybe you want to try this pitching thing. I Is it Tim know. or Timmy? Tim, Timmy, Tim, 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 Timmy, Tebow, 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 Mr. Tebow, Mr. Tebow, Mr. Tebow. Uh, oh. Yeah, I, I think. Uh, I mean, he's thirty-three years old. I, I would have liked to see this like ten years ago. I mean, he was a football player. 
he might have been a quarterback, but he was a football player. Uh, and I just I, – I don't want to see it now. If Urban Meyer needs a tight end, why not go trade for Zach Hertz? I'm not of the mindset that he's taking up someone's spot. Like, I don't – that I don't buy into. Like, he's ending someone's dream of making it because he's down – I don't – Bart Scott tried to spin that yesterday on the radio. That I don't buy into. Uh, teams can sign whoever they want to try out for their team. I don't have a problem with that. But my best guess is, is Urban Meyer trying to take some of the heat off of Lawrence. Um, I would assume that Tebow will definitely be a story in camp, and it might be larger than uh, whatever Trevor Lawrence is doing. Agreed. If Usain Bolt can go play for an Australian soccer team, Tim Tebow can play football. He was a football player, to your point. So it's not like he was, you know, it's not, he did the fish out of water thing, and now he's going back to what he knows best. But my deal is this. The past few years, he's been double dipping. Because <laughs> at the end of the minor league season, he was going to, he was a, a college football analyst for ESPN. He was earning $1.6 million a year. So clearly he's not hurting for the money. He's hurting oh. for the attention. No, he comes he comes from wealth. I mean, his family has money. But when I say he's a football player, I mean in the sense like Antonio Brown's a wide receiver. Tom Brady's a quarterback. Like Tim Tebow is a football player in the sense that I truly believe that 10 years ago he could have played tight end. He could have played fullback. He could have been what um, um, Taysom Hill is now. But I, I, don't, I don't know if he's that Swiss Army player now. I, I don't know how well he could really block like a, a Jason Pierre Paul or yeah. Kyle Van Noy. Cause that's what he's basically going to have to do. And I, the, I, the problem yeah. is, is that we've seen this hubris from Tim Tebow before in college when he was being recruited, they wanted to move him around the, the football field. He said, no, I'm a quarterback. So what changed between now and then? Yeah. Right. It's hubris. Right. that's all it is. Right. Yeah, exactly. can't help but smile when you see a balloon. The simplest occasion is a party. Westchester Pop Stars, located in New Rochelle, New York, offers balloon styling and decor for all life's events. Birthdays, anniversaries, weddings, showers, school and corporate events, store openings, or just because. Westchester Pop Stars takes balloons and shapes them into works of art, creating decorative installations for your special occasions. No event is too big or too small, and their custom personalization service is top-notch. Westchester Pop Stars is a private studio, quickly expanding. In-person consultation is by appointment only. Send an email to westchesterpopstars at gmail.com for more information or to schedule an appointment. No need to hire an event stylist. All you need is balloons. Currently servicing Westchester, Putnam, New York City, and Connecticut. To find Westchester Pop Stars, search for them on Instagram, Facebook, or Google. Time for the mail route on the fade route. If you want to join us, email faderoutemail at gmail.com. Questions, comments, picks, you name it, faderoutemail at gmail.com. All right, boys and girls, we have a full complement of emails for you today. And remember, if you want to get featured, hit us up, faderoutemail at gmail.com or Slide in our DMs at Fade Route Podcast or 
DM us and on Twitter at FadeRouteDNZ. Our first one comes from Molly in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. New to the show. How's it going, guys? Christian Yelich has not been able to stay on the field this year and had a subpar year last year. Have we seen the best of Christian Yelich? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I didn't draft him in fantasy this year because I knew he wasn't going to play. I knew he was going to be hurt or just not be – he's not going to do what he did two or three years ago. Uh, he's, he's got back issues this year, and I know as a person with back problems, when my back tightens up, I cannot do anything. I can't play with my children. I can't breathe. I can't even get up or down. So I think his season's over, and uh, I don't think you're going to get 100%. It's been a while since you got the Christian Yelich we all expected, the MVP Christian Yelich. So, yeah, I mean, as you get older, you definitely have that that injury bug kind of situation where the more times you get hurt, the easier it is for you to get hurt. And I'm not going to say that, you know, he doesn't he can't understand your stream being hurt and being sore or being hurt and being in pain, like having a, a tight back, especially as a baseball player, like that's everything. Baseball, there's so much comes from your core and so much comes from your back that this is going to be something that bothers him for the rest of his career. Just ask Don Mattingly. Don Mattingly had a, he was a phenom coming out of the minors then messed up his back, and he was just okay for the rest of his career. So Christian Yelich could probably still play, but the Miami Christian Yelich, the MVP Christian Yelich, I I don't see it. I mean, granted, he still has respectable career numbers, but he's going to be a shell of himself on on the field. And when he comes back, what team is he coming back to? Because it's not like he's going to be protected by Ryan Braun. He's not going to be protected by, I mean, who's Avi Garcia, I guess. Colton Wong, Keston Hiura, like this, oh, Lorenzo Kane. It's like, eh. So, I don't know. Even if he gets back, if he gets back this year, I don't think you're going to be able to get the production from him that you were looking for. Email number two comes from Giovanni. In Uniondale, New York. Another new emailer. How's it going, guys? Love the show. Robert Sala did not realize he had to lead the breakdown of his own practice. Is this an early telling of how the Jets season is going to go? Just makes me realize that this is a defensive coach who is not ready to rally and, you know, coach this team on all levels. Uh, now Dan Quinn had success. Dan Quinn was a defensive coach. He went to Atlanta. He led Atlanta to the Super Bowl. But this is just telling of the kind of person they hired. Uh, and I do not see good things for the Jets this year. I think they're one of the favorites to have the worst record in the league this year. And <laughs> I would not be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised just because of the assembling of talent there. So... You're allowed a gap every once in a while. I mean, most head coaches will at least save it for their introductory press conferences, like uh, Dan Campbell, Mr. Kneecaps, I'm looking at you. Rod Marinelli, you got to get low. You know, something like that. But, you know, 
it happens. We all, I mean, it's, he's new to the experience. I'm sure that some aspects of this are foreign to him, but ultimately, you know, he took accountability for it. He, he was self-deprecating, but he definitely owned it. And what I need to see is how he moves forward from this. I need to see how, because his, his reputation is stellar. It is sparkling among the players. Richard Sherman swears by the guy. So every, every player that he's played with has nothing but good things to say about him. So it remains to be seen if he can step out of that coordinator slash position, position coach and become a true CEO, become a true head coach. But, you know, it, it's, it is what it is. He's entitled to a mulligan. Just don't do it again. You're so nice. You're such a nice guy. I'm trying, you know, as I get older, I'm trying to mellow out, man. You definitely softened up. You softened up in your older age. Yeah. I, I, you know what? I got bigger fish to fry. I ain't got time for, uh, I can't hold grudges the rest of my life. I just can't do it. I'm not like Jim Cornette, man. Yeah. And number three, email number three, coming from Rob in Terre Haute, Indiana. All right, three newbies today, huh? That's pretty cool. How's it going, guys? It's pretty apparent Aaron Rodgers has played his last game for the Green Bay Packers. At what point does a trade take place? Well, apparently he told free agents not to count on him being in Green Bay this next season. I I think this will likely be a Carson Palmer situation, which hurts Rodgers in in the short term. Uh, Carson Palmer wanted to be traded away from Cincinnati, so he just never reported to camp. Uh, And he wound up being dealt in the second month of the season after Andy Dalton was leading the team uh, with a winning record. So I I feel like they're going to go down that same road. Uh, I was surprised he doesn't have a no trade clause. I thought he did, but I don't, I don't think he, I don't think, I don't think he has a no trade clause. So uh, if he doesn't like, you know, the situation, he's just not going to show up to camp, not show up to activities and he's going to force their hand. And we talked about this on the show last time. And and it's kind of telling, right? Because I believe the Packers just signed Blake Bortles. It's like, why, why are you sign? Why are you signing Blake Bortles? Like, is he the third string? Is he the second string? Like, what 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 are you signing this guy for? What are you signing a veteran for? And it almost makes you wonder, like, are are the wheels starting to unravel here? Plus, if you notice, the Chiefs, I believe, are playing the Packers this year, and it's not a prime time game. Why wouldn't that be a prime time game? It's later in the season. Why wouldn't that be a primetime game? It leads me to believe that they don't think Rodgers is going to be there either. Uh, but if you're if you're if you're the Packers and let's say you do think that maybe you botched this draft pick with Jordan Love. Let's say Jordan Love is not playing well. He cannot lead the team. It is your duty right now to get as much as you can for Aaron Rodgers. Like forget it. Like he forget about him coming back. Let's get draft picks. Let's get players. Let's put Jordan Love out there. He, he, we drafted him number 26, 27, 28, whatever it was overall. We have to put him out there and let him get destroyed, and then we can move on next season, right? Because let's say you do put him out there, and he does terrible. You're going to get a top 10 pick. So now you've gotten probably two first-round picks from somebody and a player. Now you've played terribly, and now you have another top 10 pick. 
to get your quarterback or to, to move on. So management needs to get their situation together and prepare for the future like they did last year. Well, here's the thing. It's coming. We, we both know it's coming. Because, uh, I mean, I still think he's going to, he, he would take his ball and go home a lot, like Carson Palmer would. But it's coming a little bit later than we would anticipate. So it's not going to be with, it's going to be closer to June 1st than anything. Because there's a $37 million cap if he's traded before June 1st and it's all in 2021, if the Packers wait and they bide their time until after June 1st, they can then spread that $37 million among two seasons. So it makes more financial sense to wait, but in that time, you're also now dealing with the fact that Devontae Adams is starting to talk. And Devontae Adams is openly questioning his future with the organization. And now you are quickly running into a mutiny. Very quickly. So you either need to get these guys out of here or get everybody on board. And if that means Brian Gutekunst, that means Brian Gutekunst. Because this is becoming a shit show in Green Bay. Funny thing, though, you mentioned that the... uh, you mentioned that the, uh, the the Chiefs and the Packers is not a primetime game. But what is a primetime game in America's Game of the Week is Saints-Packers Week 1. And Peter Schrager had a very interesting take on this. The league is hedging their bets that either Aaron Rodgers will be in Green Bay or Aaron Rodgers will be a New Orleans Saint. Ah, oh, that'd be great. So, I mean, that was, it's a very, it was a hot take from Schrager and it made me like, it, I took a, I was like, huh. He must be watching the show. He has to be. Cause you know, he has what? to be listening to the show. He's listening to the show. That's the only we way he's getting some, that information. No, we drop stuff all the time here. Remember the rumor about the Sean Watson? We started that. Like that was us. Like, well, we, that was we, because we, you, we, you used to be one of the masseuse. That's why. I mean, we, we all know what goes on over there. <laughs> Yeah, well, the, that's the thing. Like, that was the. Did you see the meme I actually posted to our Instagram page? And you guys got to follow along on Instagram. We got some good shit. It was. I'm. It's Aaron Rodgers saying, "I want to trade," and underneath is Deshaun Watson said, "Wait, don't do it. Don't do it." Remember, guys, if you want to be featured on this segment, hit us up fade at gmail.com and maybe, just maybe, you will be on. Are you in need of air care maintenance or service? I have the company for you. Air Care Technicians. They service the Westchester and Northern Bronx area and can help you with all your heating and cooling maintenance and service needs. Just give them a call at 914-315-1547. Again, that's 914-315-1547. Or shoot them an email at aircaretechnicians at gmail.com. These guys are the real deal as they are veteran-owned, licensed, and insured. Make sure to tell them that D&Z sent you. Order up! 
All right, boys and girls, the over the uh, order up train is still on its tracks. And we got a new topic this week. We're not doing movies anymore. The Oakland A's have been allowed by Major League Baseball to seek a new home outside of Alameda County. So we're going to rank potential locations from five to one. The best relocation options for the Oakland A's. And what do you got, Dave? Oh, we're starting with me. I'm excited. Uh, uh, okay, mine are a little off the wall in the beginning, especially. So for number five, I have Oregon. Um, Nike Factory in Oregon. They only have the Trailblazers. I think it could be a nice place to put a team. Like, why not? Uh, a little bit more serious, Oklahoma. I feel like they have big-time college program, and they only really have one pro team. So I think people would go watch baseball in Oklahoma. Um Number three, I have Tennessee. Tennessee's a hot market right now, hot real estate market. Predators play there on Broadway. Titans play along the Cumberland River and Nissan Stadium. Uh, they, they seem to have uh, both teams are playoff contenders every year. Vanderbilt and UT turn out some good pros. Uh, it might be worth the investment. Uh, now to more serious contenders, I think Montreal uh, they had the Expos. I feel like they could, they would welcome back a new team once the whole COVID situation's over. And number one in all your hearts is Vegas. It would be a, it would have to be a dome. Other people, otherwise, people would burst into flames in the stands. Uh, they could stay in the AL West. Uh, Vegas just got a hockey team and a football team, so they should be a good fit in Vegas. And I'm sure they're going to get a, a basketball team at some point. And you right? Oh yeah, he's all over that. Yeah, he's Adam Silver is all over that, all over that. No, totally. And for mine, I'm looking, I mean, I'm looking at population as I think about these, just because, like, you have some places like, oh, why isn't there a team in New Orleans? You know, that there are less than 400,000 residents of the city of New Orleans. Like, that is, that is niche as niche can get. So, <laughs> like, you know, that's fine for AAA. Like, I don't see, I don't foresee Major League Baseball going to New Orleans. For me, number five, and it's probably the most logical one, and it's been bandied about for years, San Jose. You know, it's yes. right there. Whatever fans they have, they can actually travel to the game and not be impacted that was the one kicker about the Raiders moving to Vegas is that you had to have Oakland fans fly to Vegas to be in the black hole. I mean, granted, they would do it because it's a trip to fucking Vegas. Like, who wouldn't do that? But this is a little bit more sensible, a little bit more prudent. And maybe, just maybe, that dump of a stadium is the problem. You put the Oakland A's, who are a good team. Let's not bury the lead here. The Oakland A's are a good team. They have been a transient franchise in the past from Philly to Kansas City to Oakland, now to wherever, but they've historically been a good team. And I believe their fans would travel within reason. Number four, San Antonio, Texas, sneaky large, a sneaky large market and a third team in Texas. Why the hell not? It's, it's a big enough state that you can definitely support it. So 
you also have interstate rivalry already there with the Astros and the Rangers. You know, what's another what's another team? San Antonio A's. Let's go for it. Number three, Portland, Oregon. This one's on the come. Portland, Oregon's been on the rise for years. It's definitely one of those that can support multiple teams. You see it with the Portland Timbers and the Portland Trailblazers. University of Oregon is very big out there. So you could definitely, I can even see a pro football team out there eventually. So why not a professional baseball team? Number two, Nashville, Tennessee. Nashville, Tennessee is a great option. They're hungry for it. The infrastructure is already there. It's being built by Dave Dombrowski. So who's to say that they just don't build upon what Dombrowski and the Nashville Stars organization is laying for them? And then you turn around and you give the Dombrowski group an expansion team someplace else. Who's to say that that doesn't happen? And for me, number one, Montreal, Quebec, Canada, bring back Les Expos. It's been, the groundwork has been there forever, and Major League Baseball has just sat on it. Bring back Les Expos. <laughs> so what do you think, guys? What's your top five? From five to one, hit us up, faderoutemail at gmail.com, faderoutepodcast on Twitter, faderoutednz. Let us know what you're thinking. All right. Well, this has been the Fade Route with D&Z. Thanks for tuning in tonight. You can catch our podcast usually on Wednesday nights on the on the Anchor, Spotify, or other formats where podcasts are available. Until next time, stay faded, everyone. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you like what you heard and want to hear more, be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Rate us five stars. Leave us a review. Turn on subscription notifications and tell your friends. Spread the word. Spread it wide.